This is the Tan Report. I'm your host, Han Trung. This time of year, you're going to see a lot of college football games on TV. It's bowl season, because practically every college football game played after the regular season is called a bowl. Here are just a few. There's the Duke's Mail Bowl in Charlotte, North Carolina, where the North Carolina Tar Heels will take on the West Virginia Mountaineers. There's the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl in the Bronx, New York, where it's Rutgers versus Miami. Then, Oregon State and Notre Dame face off in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas. I'll be the first to admit I'm a casual viewer of college football, and the names of some of these bowls are entertaining as they are confusing. A true fan of college football would call me an idiot for that, and they'd get no argument from me on that topic. But the reality is there are so many bowl games because the appetite for college football is just that big, and the money involved is perhaps even greater. I recently visited the Caesars Superdome in New Orleans and spent some time with a man who oversees one of the premier bowl games in the sport. My name's Jeff Hundley. I'm the uh, CEO of the Sugar Bowl. I've been here 30 years. Thought I was coming for three or four, but fell in love with the organization, the city. The Sugar Bowl this year features the number two ranked Washington Huskies versus the Texas Longhorns, who are number three. It's one of two semifinal playoff games. For pedestrian fans of college football like me, here's a primer of the current college football playoff system. There are currently six bowl games that rotate those semifinals. So, you know, the it's the orange, peach, cotton, sugar, fiesta, and rose bowls. Are, and each of us have – there's two partnered with each other. You know, I'm getting in the weeds here on you a little bit. That's but okay. it's the sugar That's and the okay. rose here – uh, the orange and the cotton are together, so when the, they host the semifinals next year, and then the uh, Peach and the Fiesta are partnered as, as well. We have four teams, so there are two semifinal games each year. And this year it is the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl. And those then, are the semifinals. Those are the semifinals. And then the national championship game this year will be in Houston, and the, the championship game is – bid out, similar to what they do with the NFL Super Bowl or the NCAA's Final Four. With just a few days to go before the Sugar Bowl's kickoff on New Year's Day, it's crunch time for Jeff and his staff. Yeah, it's the months of November and December are really, you know, pedal to the metal time for us, and it's exciting. We really wound up with a great matchup this year with uh, number two against number three in Washington and Texas. You know, the the proximity of, of Texas is uh, pretty amazing. The, we had them in the game a few years back. They played Georgia, and, and they were very enthusiastic, their fan base at that time. But this is Texas on steroids right now. I mean, you seem like a perfectly calm man right now to, that has to put on a very big show. Like, are you putting on a good acting? Yeah, What's going on in that head of it's yours? A, it's, a, uh, it's like the duck. They say, you know, calm on top, but swimming like crazy underneath. I've been here since uh, 4.30 this morning, and... Uh, didn't get home until uh, about 9 o'clock last night. That just comes with the territory this time of year. On paper and on television, the Sugar Bowl is just one game. But for Jeff and the nonprofit responsible for running the Sugar Bowl, the work to put on that one game goes on throughout the year. I still get asked, I've been doing this for 30 years, and I, when I tell them I work for the Sugar Bowl, I, I often get, that's a full-time job? <laughs> and... 
I smile and move on, but uh, I want to let them know exactly how much of a full-time job it is. It's a full-year job. <laughs> right. <laughs> In his 30 years with the Sugar Bowl, Jeff says college football has gone through tremendous changes. One recent change has been with college athletes and their ability to now get paid when they use their name, image, or likeness in things like commercials, clothing, and merchandise. Those who work with Jeff told me he's known to give a one-word answer when it comes to questions about all of the changes in college football. And I'm paraphrasing here. He said, if you ask Jeff, he's going to say, before you ask the question, the answer is going to be money. That's uh, become a popular line right now. That's... Uh, you know, it's unfortunate, you know, in some regards. Some people would say it's overdue. You know, college athletes have been, you know, driving huge television deals, uh, particularly in the sport of football, men's and women's basketball, have, yeah. have driven. And they've not, you know, up until the last couple of years, were not able to share in any, you know, revenue. And they, they got scholarships. And, you know, some would argue that, you know, that they have been, you know, rewarded for their – uh, particular skills, but um, yeah, you're you can, you're now in the era of name, image, and likeness. Yes. You are now seeing paid college athletes. It's it's changed the game. Many people have seen it that way, at least. Absolutely. So you know, we don't begrudge any of that, but it's it's just created new pressures in the system to drive revenue that, to feed the to feed the beast, so to speak, uh, because uh, young the young people are, are being paid now for for their ability and name, image, and likeness. And uh, you know, when you're talking about right now, the numbers that are being talked about for the television arrangement for the uh, future of the college football playoff are you know over a billion dollars annually uh, to the system. And you know, all of a sudden, it's it's not. Uh, unrealistic for for players young people to expect uh, some cut in that going forward and uh, we got to be here to do it so you know that it, it starts with the conferences goes down to the schools and ultimately you know nobody's oblivious to the the money pressures right now and that includes bowl games and um, they'll be looking to us to help supply we've we've not stepped in ton to the uh, name, image, likeness business yet. We've, we've been studying it for a couple of years and, and almost did it last year and then, then uh, uh, pulled back and, and it, it worked out. You know, the, the plan that we had would, would not have worked well last year, but uh, going forward, I, I can see a time where we're, we're going to have to participate in that uh, in order to stay relevant. Staying relevant is arguably the biggest concern for Jeff in the Sugar Bowl. That may sound strange because the Sugar Bowl is one of the oldest bowl games in college football. The first Sugar Bowl was played in 1935. It's tied with the Orange Bowl and the Sun Bowl as the second oldest bowl game. The oldest is the Rose Bowl. Throughout that long history, the Sugar Bowl has been considered to be a top-tier bowl game. The city of New Orleans has figured prominently in that. It's a tourist-driven city with a deep resume of hosting and pulling off almost any kind of event. Think Mardi Gras, Super Bowls, and even a papal visit in 1987. But history can't guarantee that the Sugar Bowl, and thus New Orleans, will stay near the top of the college playoff pyramid. In two years, the Sugar Bowl's contract with the college football playoff will expire. Jeff says the Sugar Bowl and New Orleans are facing some fierce competition to remain in the playoff picture. They don't want to fall into the category of those bowl games with funny or less recognizable names that I mentioned earlier. 
what we talk about here is that as a member of the college football playoff, our game matters. There's something at stake because they're trying to win to go to the next round and they're pursuing a national. The other bowl games are exhibitions, you know, and, and they serve their purpose and have a place in the ecosystem. But the interest is less. The attendance is less. Because the stakes the aren't as high. Because the stakes aren't as high, exactly. You know, we've debated whether or not, you know, we should be in or whether we should accept, you know, a, a relegated status going forward. And ultimately we decided it's better to be in than out um, simply because we'll matter. And we want to continue to be able to have the same type of impact that we've had for nine decades now. And the only way to do that at this present time in history is to have the finances going forward. Is that a possibility though, after these two years that if things don't fall in line, if the proper precautions aren't taken, that you might be relegated to a different type of status and you're not in that playoff picture and you might be the sugar bowl that doesn't matter. It could happen. I, you know, I, I choose to be optimistic that, that uh, I think that we'll have the opportunity to participate in the playoff going forward. But what, what I expect to happen is that we'll be, uh, have the opportunity to participate under a certain set of financial parameters, and we'll have to decide whether or not we can do that going forward. And, and right now that's the big unknown is what it's going to cost going forward We've been told by conference commissioners as well as, you know, the CFP that it's going to cost more going forward. And so we've, you know, we're waiting to, to hear on that. We expect uh, next spring uh, to have an opportunity to we, – we do have, as an incumbent, we have a 45-day uh, exclusive note negotiating window. Um, but truth of the matter is there's a lot of people on the outside wanting in and – there's not going to be a lot of negotiating that's able to be done uh, going forward. We're going to have to find a way to make it happen or suffer the consequences. Again, I may be oversimplifying. Does it sound like you have to pay to play when it comes yeah, to it's, it, being it, a bowl I mean, organization? Yeah, I hate to be that crass, but it it kind of that's kind of what it's come down to. You know, it's it's this is big business now. College athletics is Absolutely. big big business and. Um, We've been, you know, as a city, New Orleans has so many great things about it. And and that used to count for a lot, you know, proximity of all the hotels and the restaurants, the walkability of the city, just the unique character of the city. All still great things, but more than anything right now, that what counts is money and, and we need to be able to compete. Here are some of the cities competing against the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. You've got cities like Nashville, who's building a new stadium and who is, uh, you know, well-heeled as a city. Uh, a lot of business there. They're trying to get in to, the, to one of the playoff spots. Las Vegas, again, another well-heeled city with a new stadium trying to get in as well. Houston, Orlando, you know, down the line. There are a lot of people on the outside looking in who are trying to to get in, and it's become a financial competition. Unlike some of the cities Jeff just talked about, New Orleans isn't quite the hotbed of economic activity or development. There's only one Fortune 500 company based in New Orleans. 
The city has struggled with issues like crime, blight, and poor infrastructure, not to mention a population in which 22% are living in poverty. While the Superdome has been an iconic venue in sports, it's almost 50 years old. All of those elements can work against the Sugar Bowl's pitch to the powers that be that it deserves a place in the college football playoff. It's a nationally recognized brand. We have This year we'll have 20 million television viewers from around the country and, and beyond. Uh, so yeah, it's we, we're right up there at the top, and it's a position that, that has been earned uh, by this organization over decades, and it's not one that we're w- willing to give up without a fight. So with that prominence, why are you nervous? Because money is driving every decision in college athletics right now, and that's not necessarily one that is uh, that we've been you know, strong at in New Orleans. According to its website, most of the money the Sugar Bowl generates comes from ticket sales to its events, sponsor payments, and licensing fees. To earn more money, which will help the Sugar Bowl stay in the running for the future playoffs, Jeff says they've had to get creative in creating more streams of revenue. But they need help. There's this weird dynamic. You're a nonprofit that has to generate and come up with millions of dollars to keep this relevant, right? Yes. Yeah, it's a multi-million dollar enterprise on an annual basis. And, you know, I think it's important, you know, for people listening to understand that, you know, we've we've done our part. We've, you know, as we make this appeal to the community, we we did a kickoff game two years ago with LSU and Florida State. We didn't do that just because we wanted to do a kickoff game. We were strategically looking ahead, thinking that that's a one way that we can make some additional revenue to, to stockpile for when this negotiation comes. We did, in Lover Labor Day weekend, we decided to do a music event with Garth Brooks that turned out to be a great event that we were able to add additional funds to, to help us compete when this negotiation comes up going forward. We, we, we hope to you know, do one or both of those events in the future, uh, depending on circumstances. You know, so we're, we're doing what we can. Plus, at the same time, as we came out of COVID, we took and, we, and the amount of money we were spending in the community, we, we basically had to cut it in half because we're, again, seeing what the future was, was what was coming in, down the pipe. And we needed to do what we could. But we've done all that. And when you hear cities out there that are raising $75 million to go after the CFP, the, the Super Bowl, and the Final Four, I tug on my collar when I hear that. And, it, and it's happening right now because you know, we could be raising money in New Orleans for you know, 10 years and not hit $75 million for, for what we do. And, you know, so we're just doing what we can. We want to keep, you know, in there. We've fought above our weight class for a long time now, and we hope to continue to. To continue, Jeff says the Sugar Bowl needs help from the New Orleans community, specifically the business sector. For decades, the relationship between the city and the Sugar Bowl has been symbiotic. New Orleans has provided a great setting. In return, the Sugar Bowl has attracted scores of visitors to the city during the holidays. In fact, that's part of the Sugar Bowl's mission. It may be an organization orbiting the world of football, but its roots are actually in tourism. On its website, its mission statement reads like this, quote, The mission of the Sugar Bowl is to seek out, promote, 
finance, sponsor, schedule, conduct, and operate an annual calendar of local, state, national, and international amateur collegiate sporting events in the greater New Orleans area and the state of Louisiana for the purpose of generating tourism, end quote. Jeff told me in addition to generating tourism, the Sugar Bowl has been dedicated to giving back to the community. It's a message he says they've been trying to better convey. People had to understand, you know, it was just a big educational mission that, that we went on so people understand, that, you know, what we actually do in the community, the amount of economic impact. I mean, it's real dollars and cents, a $200 million annual economic impact. There's over $20 million in annual direct taxes to the city and state. Plus all the community programming that You're we do. You're giving scholarships. Yeah, we, we scholarships. We support you know, Orleans Parish uh, public school teachers at a high level. You know, we're, we do, you know, youth and, and amateur sporting events that all have, you know, while smaller in nature, have an economic impact for the area and bring people to the city. So I'm personally particularly proud of what the organization is doing to support public school teachers here. Um, When we first got involved, a third of the workforce, the teacher workforce, was turning over every year. So in a three-year period, you were losing your entire teaching workforce. You can't sustain anything positive when that's going on. And so, you know, with the help of the college football playoff, uh, you know, the two of that organization and the Sugar Bowl have locked arms and we've, you know, we've done over $5 million in support of, of public school teachers since 2020. And we've we just made another million-dollar commitment this last spring, you know, going forward. So we intend to, you know, and want to be there for the long haul. But at the end of the day, we've got to run a business like everybody else. In this day and age where just keeping people's attention and, and making sure people remember who you are and what you're doing. It's branding. I mean, every organization is trying to do that. Look at what we've done. Look at who we are and what position we have in the community. It sounds like that's what the Sugar Bowl is trying to remind people about as well. Exactly. We, you know, our style as an organization historically has been to fly below the radar, uh, to do good good deeds and not look for a pat on the back and all that. Uh, that's not but this but day we can't age. we can't do that anymore. Yeah. We we and and we've come to that uh, recognition, and so hence you know this was a big deal for us to do this this ad campaign of keep New Orleans sweet. We've never done that in ninety years. We've never done that, and it, to convince the organization that we needed to spend significant you know money to do that, you know I wouldn't say was the easiest thing, but we got it done. And now people are starting to see the value. That campaign Jeff mentioned, the Keep New Orleans Sweet campaign, started in the fall of 2023. Its target audience is the business community of New Orleans. If you're going to ask for more money from somebody, then it's a good idea to show them your value, what you bring to the table. That's my interpretation, at least, of what the Sugar Bowl is trying to accomplish through its campaign. Here's a video it produced. Sugar. It's part of this city's DNA. It helps flavor our favorite treats and even the little ways we interact. Thank you, Sugar. Hi, sweetie. For the past 90 years, the nonprofit Sugar Bowl organization has been a year-round champion for our local communities. We've generated billions of dollars in economic impact and lifted up many of the people who make this such a special place to live. When the Sugar Bowl launched its Keep New Orleans Sweet campaign, It invited the lieutenant governor of Louisiana to speak at its press conference. 
In Louisiana, the lieutenant governor serves as the commissioner of the Department of Culture, Recreation, and Tourism. As the Sugar Bowl is making this push to get more financial support, the lieutenant governor can help in that effort. Here's how Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser described the Sugar Bowl's importance to the state's tourism industry. Well, you saw the numbers, but the Sugar Bowl has an impact not on just New Orleans, statewide, year-round. The excitement around the game is only part of it. And then last year, when we didn't have a game, Sugar Bowl stepped up and put on an incredible concert. Garth Brooks brought in Laney Wilson, a hometown favorite. And, um, and fill the hotels, not just in New Orleans. We had people staying in Alexander, Lafayette, Baton Rouge that drove in for the concert, much like the game last year with Florida State. So the economic impact is for all of Louisiana. Although it fills the hotels, restaurants, and attractions here in town, it spreads across Louisiana. In my conversation with Jeff, it seemed like the Sugar Bowl has needed this extra financial support for some time. Over the past decade, the, the playoff started 10 years ago. The four-team college football playoff started a decade ago. And our business trajectory during that 10-year period has been backwards. We've lost money going, going during that 10-year period. The other five bowl games that I referenced earlier that are involved in this have all had an upward trajectory. And... So the Sugar Bowl has lost money? Yes. And the reason being is, again, I'm getting in the weeds, Ton, on this, but it's what happened. You know, the the Southeastern Conference and the Big 12 Conference at the time decided that they were going to – they basically create their own bowl game and they put it out to bid. And so we were in a competition 11 years ago with Dallas, Atlanta – you know, Orlando, several others, Nashville, other cities. And ultimately, because of our longstanding relationship with the Southeastern Conference, they gave us first opportunity at the business deal. And But the business deal was one that was an upside-down business model for us. We had been very good stewards of our finances. The organization had been over decades. So we had a reserve fund, and we were faced with the decision of, are we going to walk away from the Southeastern Conference while we've still got money in the bank? And the answer that we, the decision we made was no, because the, the, the SEC has been the bread and butter of this organization For sure. forever. And so we agreed to an upside-down business model that we've lived with for the, for the last 10 years, but it's not one that we, that we want to continue going forward. Well, there can be a lot of factors in where CFP games are played. Jeff's assessment that money is the most important is pretty spot on. Hosting a big game can come down to a bidding war, which takes money. And for a while now, the Sugar Bowl has been putting up its own money to stay on the CFP's radar. The 2020 championship game is a good example. Perfect season national championship. As they say in the bayou, les it a bon temps roule. Let the good times roll. LSU sits on the throne of college football. It was a special game for Louisiana. That year, the LSU Tigers capped off a perfect season by beating Clemson in the Superdome. They could not have scripted it any better. But Jeff and the folks at the Sugar Bowl had to lay groundwork to make that storybook ending possible. We hosted the College Football Playoff National Championship in 2020, and that was the one that LSU uh, won here. 
we had to put the the Sugar Bowl organization put six million of its own money uh, toward that bid effort. And in the first 10 years of the national championship game under the CFP playoff system, we remained the only bowl organization that had to put its own money against the bid to cover expenses because the other nine cities were able to raise the money necessary to host the championship and all the events around it from their business community. We were unable to, and so the Sugar Bowl had to step up with $6 million of its own money. So those other cities that have been able to kind of be on that trajectory of making money, the yep. bowls, yep. have been able to make money, that money was generated within their local community, their business community? Yep. Yes. It, yes. And it might be just That's, that's a, probably an it. oversimplification, yeah. but, it, but it is a, a big part of it. The CFP will only get more complicated and competitive. Next year begins the the 12-team playoff. This this year is the last year of the four-team college football playoff, and it expands to 12 teams next year. As part of that, we are are anticipating that schools are going to buy fewer tickets than they have previously because you're asking them to travel to a conference championship game, a first-round game, a quarterfinal game, a semifinal game, and then ultimately the national championship. And that not everybody, you know, is able to do that, you know, financially, you know. Uh, So it's good. Local support is going to become more important than it's ever been, you know, for us. Uh, right now, we've got it pegged that we're going to have 5,000 additional tickets that we need to sell locally. And, you know, I can go down a rabbit hole on what local means, but we basically have defined it everything from, from Gulfport to Lake Charles and maybe beyond that. Why is it important to have those tickets sold? Because at the same time that the financial stakes are high, the we have more than 50% of the universities are lobbying to play the entire playoff on campus as opposed to in bowl games. So on their campus, they want yes. to play it in, in their particular yes. stadium, their Correct. home base. Have a home base, a similar setup to what you see in the NFL. And that would be that'd be tough for us because all of a sudden, if, if that were to happen, you know, we would be selecting teams from outside the top 12 in the country. All of a sudden, we, we don't have the cachet that we did. We're not going to have, you know, there's, there's declining interest in bowl games outside of the playoff right now. There's still interest, and, but the level of interest, you know, we've been able to enjoy full stadiums. And, you know, tremendous economic impact. We average $200 million in economic impact every year. That's all at stake right now if, if we don't sell it out because we will have given them a reason to take the game to campus if we don't sell out because they will sell it out on campus. The Sugar Bowl and New Orleans have been partners for a long time. It's been a mutually beneficial relationship with so much at stake locally. And locally is where the help will have to come from if the Sugar Bowl wants to hold on to its place in college football. At the end of the day, the people will decide, you know, whether they want to support it or not, and whether and that will determine the kind of money that we're able to raise and whether or not we're able to stay. You know, at the top, we, as we talk to, you know, people around the country, you know, the conference commissioners are the ones who will ultimately decide whether or not we're part of the playoff. So ultimately you said the commissioners of the CFP, the college football playoff, will determine the fate of not just the Sugar Bowl, but every other bowl, they basically say which ones are going to be in the playoff scene, correct? Correct. 
and I guess my question is, is this sort of the pitch to them of what you are and what you're doing and showing them as well? That's a fine line, Tom, that we've, we've debated on that. We, they're aware of what we're doing and know the reasons why we're doing it. But I also, we need to be careful that it doesn't appear to be a sign of weakness because you know there's competition out there and and you know you can't you can't be weak right now you got to you got to be strong going forward because there are others out there our problems aren't there aren't the commissioner's problems and you know they've got options going forward so you know we're kind of walking a fine line but we you know we really need people to understand that that we need their help but we at the same time we don't want to be pulling a red panic alarm that all of a sudden gets the commissioner's attention that that there's something wrong here because there's not we're we're fine we've you know we've lived with an upside down business model as I've said multiple times here but we do have a reserve fund and you know while it is significantly less than what it once was we still you know the world's not ending tomorrow either well Jeff I ask that not to say that you're trying to pitch that to the commissioners of the CFP to say we're in trouble, but actually, hey, we're doing things. This is who we are. This is what we do for the community. This is our position in the community of college football because I think that you can't rest on them, the commissioner, saying, well, you know, New Orleans and the Sugar Bowl have just been just a great part of college football for so long. We're just going to keep them in. Not when you have all these other cities that have Fortune 500 companies, larger markets, bigger crowds, bigger stadiums. They're not going to sit there and say, well, we're going to keep the Sugar Bowl here in the playoff scene because it's just been so damn good because there's such a tradition that it just isn't enough anymore. That's my view. Absolutely correct. We, you know, History and tradition, while nice, don't count for much these days. And the best example I can cite you on that right now is the Pac-12 conference. That's a 100-plus-year organization that will be gone after this year simply because all of its members chose to go elsewhere in pursuit of greater paydays. So you've got, you know, the bulk of the league going to either the, the Pac-12 or the Big Ten or the Big 12 conferences just blew up a perfectly good conference. You know, you, now you're going to have USC and UCLA playing against Rutgers on, you know, from coast to coast. Does it make sense? Uh, you know, you can debate that. I personally, I'm not a, a big fan of it, but it is what it is at this point in time. And uh, we can't bemoan what is. We've got to figure out how to be, be a part of it going forward or we're going to get left behind. And the answer is money. <laughs> well said. In New Orleans, I'm Tan Trung for WWL Radio.